WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Time right now, 8.15. You're tuned to WGNS on this Friday. Today, the 12th of August. Today, we're going to talk about several different items, one of which, understanding monkeypox. How it spread, how many cases are currently in the U.S., how many cases are in Tennessee, what you need to be aware of, and what you should do if you think you may have some of the symptoms, and where to go if you do indeed have monkeypox. And then during the second part of the program, we'll be talking with Amanda Wilson, Executive Director of Tennessee Hemophilia here in Murfreesboro. Their office is in what used to be the SunTrust building. Now it's the truest building on East Main Street. Wilson was recently hired as the Executive Director for the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorders Foundation. They're having a special event coming up in the near future that is a 5K run or walk that you and your entire family can participate in. The fourth annual 5K will be held on August 27th at Gateway Island, and money raised goes to help fund Camp Freedom. Camp Freedom's mission is to provide a recreational educational camp to empower children with bleeding disorders while promoting self-esteem and independence. A lot of the children who have bleeding disorders have to go in and out of the hospital on a regular basis. It can become tiring to the kids and, of course, the parents as well. The camp is at Land Between the Lakes, and there's no charge for this camp to the families of the children who suffer from the multitude of bleeding disorders here in our community. They're able to link arms with other teens, learn how to cope with the constant visits to the doctor and to the hospital, and, best of all, just be a kid. So Amanda Wilson comes your way during the second half of the program. She is again with the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorders Foundation of Tennessee. And their office, again, based right here in Murfreesboro. During the last half of the show, we'll be talking with James Evans. He's the communications director for the Rutherford County School System. We'll also hear some words from Dr. Sullivan, the newly hired director of schools in Rutherford County. Our school system is growing, one of the fastest growing school systems in the entire state of Tennessee. So county schools will be the topic during the last half of this show today, Friday, August 12th. For those who had to drive any distance into work this morning, especially if you were in some of the outlying areas of the community, you probably noticed more fog than usual. The National Weather Service issued a special weather statement early this morning saying that there would be patchy fog, locally dense fog in some areas all throughout the early morning hours of the day on Friday. So this morning you may have seen again more fog. Why did you see more dense fog than usual this morning and possibly yesterday morning as well? Well, here's the reason. Fog happens when it's very, very humid outside, and we all know it's been quite humid here. There has to be a lot of water vapor in the air to form fog. And in order for fog to form, and this is why we see a lot of it here in Tennessee and the southern states, is because it takes dust or some kind of air pollution particle mixed into the air with the humidity, thus causing fog. So in order for fog to form, dust or some kind of air pollution needs to be in the air with it. And there are a number of factors that lead to this fog, such as clear to partly cloudy skies, a wind speed equal to or less than six knots, 
and fog is more likely to occur if it rained the previous 12 hours. And of course, we did see some rain in some areas of the community overnight and the day before. In a climatology study, the days with the thickest fog between 1961 and 1990, according to a UT Knoxville study, some of the densest fog forms in the month of October. The months with the second greatest amount of fog are September and then coming in at number three this month, the month of August. But the basic requirements for fog to form would be humidity in the air. As you know, we have a lot of humidity in the air right here in Middle Tennessee, and it's been a very humid summer. And there must also be a condensation nuclei or something onto which that water can be formed. Now, this is where we get to the uh, dust particles or different pollutants to which additional moisture will condense onto when that air is real humid. So when there's more pollutants in the air, such as dust particles, pollen, stuff like that, you're going to see more fog. You hear people say stuff like, well, we're in the middle of the dog days of summer. And there's often a lot of fog during the dog days of summer. Well, those dog days of summer are from July 3rd up until August 11th, which of course was yesterday. And those are usually the hottest and the most unbearable days of the season. Between those dates, of course, we have seen a lot of very hot and humid days. Less hot this week because of the rain we've received. But the bottom line is, yes, it's been very hot this summer from July 3rd up until August 11th yesterday. We've had a lot of humidity and we've had a lot of dust particles, things like that, in the air, thus leading to all the fog. By the way, dog days of summer, you know what that means? Well, it's a reference to how hot it is outside, how humid it is outside, and they say it means that the days are not even fit for a dog to be outside. Some suggest that the dog days of summer expression came about because they're days that are so hot and humid, the extreme temperatures will drive even a dog mad. The phrase is a reference to Sirius, the dog star, and during the dog days period of summer, the sun occupies the same region of the sky as Sirius, the brightest star visible from any part of Earth. In the summer, Sirius rises and sets with the sun. On July 23rd specifically, it is in conjunction with the sun. And because the star is so bright, the ancient Romans believed it actually gave off heat and added to the sun's warmth, accounting for the long stretch of hot and humid weather. They referred to this time in English terms as dog days. Thus, the term dog days of summer came to mean the 20 days before and 20 days after this alignment of Sirius with the sun, July 3rd to August 11th each year. So now you know a little bit more about dense fog and the dog days of summer. Probably more than you wanted to know. <laughs> but the dog days of summer officially ended yesterday, August 11th. For WGNS, I'm Scott Walker, and again, we have more coming your way in just a second, including an update on monkeypox. And then we'll be talking with Amanda Wilson, the new executive director for the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorders Foundation based right here in Murfreesboro. You can find them online at thbdf.org and also back to school, where we'll hear from communications director of the Rutherford County School System, James Evans, and hear a few words from Dr. Sullivan, the director of the county schools. You're tuned in to the Action Line on WGNS on this Friday morning, today, August the 12th. Stay with us, more to come. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hello, this is Amanda from Animal City inviting your family to come do business with my family. Don't let your dog be bored this fall. Come see us at Animal City for some of the best toys to keep them entertained and engaged. 
Come see us at Animal City and let our 32 years experience benefit you and your pets. Come check out our selection here at Animal City. We have freshwater, saltwater, corals, and more. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Welcome to this edition of Danny Brewer's Friday Pony Picks, sponsored by the Mint Gaming Hall in Kentucky Downs. Located on I-65 just north of the Tennessee State Line in Franklin, Kentucky, this racing and gaming facility offers simulcast wagering seven days a week, over 1,000 gaming machines, and a live racing meet that features more per race purse money than any track in the United States. For seven days in September, some of the best turf horses in the country will descend upon these Kentucky Downs for a run at over 15 million dollars. Visit TheMintGamingHall.com for more info. Danny Brewer here. We're going to dive right into some deep water in the Grade 1 Arlington Million on August 13th. It goes off as race 11 at historic Churchill Downs. First time ever this race will be run at Churchill. It's a Grade 1 event, mile and an eighth on the turf. Very competitive nine-horse field. We like Santine in this one. Brendan Walsh trained, Tyler Gaffley on rides. He won the Old Forest on May 7th, which was Kentucky Derby Day, at the very same distance on this very same track. I think he's ready. He loves the track. Recipe for success. Another horse to like in this race is Set Peace. Brad Cox trained. He's won four of five lifetime at Churchill Downs. So maybe there's your little exact action right there. Santine and Set Peace. Next, we're going to go to the West Coast, Del Mar. We love it out there. Doug O'Neill has three unbeaten fillies running in the grade two Sorrento stakes on Saturday. It goes off as race nine. They're all wonderful fillies. It's for two-year-olds. These will be competing for the Kentucky Oaks next year. Vegas Magic is a daughter of Good Magic. Satin Doll, a daughter of Congrats. The one we like is one named after my IQ. Absolutely zero. Daughter of Nyquist. Got a hunch, bet a bunch back a horse and get paid. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com Demas' Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. During this segment of the show, we'll talk a little bit about monkeypox. According to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the number of cases of monkeypox has grown by another 1,834 since this past Tuesday. Today, the total stands at 10,768 confirmed cases of monkeypox as of this morning. In Tennessee, the number has also grown. On Tuesday, the number of monkeypox cases in Tennessee was at 52. Today, Friday, that number is now at 67 cases. Again, that's for Tennessee. Now, in nearby states that border Tennessee, the state that has seen the highest growth rate of monkeypox has been Georgia. On Tuesday, Georgia had 625 cases, and now by Friday morning, 824 cases in Georgia alone. Other nearby states like Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas are not seeing such an increase 
and Kentucky has held steady all week at only 11 confirmed cases. North Carolina has gone from 111 cases to 131 cases this week. For those planning to go to Florida, the case number was at 936. Now the case number is at 1053 for monkeypox. As the CDC works to contain the current monkeypox outbreak and learn more about the virus, they have released more and more information about it. Monkeypox is not considered a sexually transmitted disease, but it is often transmitted through close, sustained physical contact, which can include sexual contact. The CDC says that vaccinations are an important tool in preventing the spread of monkeypox, but given the current limited supply of vaccines, you should first consider temporarily changing some behaviors that may increase your risk of being exposed. They say reducing or avoiding behaviors that increase the risk of monkeypox exposure is also important when you are between your first and second shots of the vaccine if you did get the vaccine and your protection will be highest two weeks after your second dose of the vaccine. But again, there's a limited supply of the vaccine in places like Tennessee, so chances are good many people will not get it. So the question, what should a person do if they have a new or unexplained rash or other symptoms of monkeypox? They say avoid being intimate with anyone until you have been checked out by a healthcare provider. They say if you don't have a provider or health insurance, visit a public health clinic such as the Rutherford County Health Department. And when you see a healthcare provider, they say wear a mask and remind them that this virus is circulating in the area. They also say avoid gatherings, especially if they involve close personal skin-to-skin -skin contact. The CDC says Think about the people you have had close, personal, or intimate contact with during the last 21 days, including people you met through any dating apps. To help stop the spread, you might be asked to share this information if you have received a monkeypox diagnosis. In other words, they say, make sure you tell people that you have received a monkeypox diagnosis. Uh, while that may be common sense, Evidently, some people are not using common sense when it comes to monkeypox. Otherwise, the spread of it would not continue to rise. CBS News correspondent Dina Demetrius out of Los Angeles reported this update on monkeypox. Clinicians are calling on federal health officials to make it easier to prescribe the antiviral treatment Ticoviramont, also known as T-pox. The protocol requirements are still labor intensive. Providing care for our patients should not be this hard. And a new CDC study finds the monkeypox virus appears to survive at least 15 days on surfaces such as clothing and bedding. New federal data shows the U.S. has distributed roughly 60% of its monkeypox vaccine supply. This, as the CDC reports, more than 10,000 cases of the virus nationwide, including more than 600 cases here in Los Angeles County. Meanwhile, the maker of the monkeypox vaccine, Bavarian Nordic, is expressing reservations about the FDA's decision earlier this week to change the way the vaccine is administered in order to stretch the nation's limited supply. The concern comes as the United States reports more than 10,000 cases, according to the latest CDC figures. Dina Demetrius further reports from Los Angeles. The maker of the monkeypox vaccine is raising concerns about the FDA's decision to change how the shots are given. This will increase the total number of doses available for use by up to fivefold. On Tuesday, FDA Commissioner Dr. Robert Califf explained that administering the shot just under the top layer of the skin instead of the traditional method requires only a fraction of the vaccine, which would stretch the nation's limited supply. 
As far as pets and monkeypox, apparently infected animals can spread monkeypox virus to people, and it's possible that people who are infected can spread monkeypox virus to animals through close contact, including petting, cuddling, or hugging your dog. Also, sharing sleeping arrangements. If you let your dog sleep in the bed and you have monkeypox, there's a good chance your dog could get monkeypox too. The CDC says that people with monkeypox should avoid contact with their animals. But if your pet does come down with monkeypox, they say don't surrender it or euthanize it or abandon it just because of the potential exposure to monkeypox. Any pets that had close contact with a symptomatic person with monkeypox should be kept at home and away from other animals and people for at least 21 days after the most recent contact was made. In some cases, it may be necessary to isolate and care for animals that have been exposed to monkeypox in a location other than a home if you have other people living with you. For example, people who are immune compromised, pregnant, have young children present, or with a history of atopic dermatitis or eczema should not provide care for animals that had close contact to a person with monkeypox as they may be at increased risk for severe outcomes from the monkeypox disease. You can learn more about monkeypox on the CDC website at cdc.gov. For WGNS, I'm Scott Walker. More on this Friday in just a minute. Time right now, 8.35. Here's a look at the forecast. Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high in the upper 80s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 15 miles per hour and at times gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 68. I'm Ann Kimmel, and I'd like to tell you about Adam's Place. People are very friendly. I play cards almost every day. There's music, movies. Adam's Place makes it really, really easy. You don't have to cook. You don't have to clean your apartment. You can do whatever you want to do. There's somebody to take you places. I love Adam's Place. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. 5X480. Dayton B100 V-Belt, one of the many parts Granger carries. It's also the item that helped Rob carry the day. The job was on hold, deadline fast approaching. But a quick search on Granger.com and Rob found his part. And with same-day pickup at his local branch, he and his crew got the job done safely and on time. Get supplies and solutions for every industry with real-time product availability. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here at the Almond Joy Factory, where tropical vibes abound, we use soft, fresh-tasting coconut. The crunchiest almonds and delicious chocolate candy. Ah, but do you know what our most important ingredient is? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts and something even way better than that. Yes, Almond Joy is made with almonds and joy. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. 
This morning we're talking with Amanda Wilson, the new executive director for the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorder Foundation. And first of all, that's a big mouthful. What does all of that mean? We are a community that services individuals with a bleeding disorder or hemophilia. That is a condition where their blood doesn't clot. Therefore, they need factor in order for their blood to clot and not get any bleeds. And there are a fairly good number of folks who have this disorder or a number of disorders living in Tennessee, some right here in Rutherford County. Yes, there are. There's a total of 800 families that we service across the state of Tennessee, several of them being in Rutherford County and in Murfreesboro. Our office is located right off the square at the Truist Building. With this disorder, often comes with it, routine visits to the doctor, having to go to the hospital on a regular basis almost, just depending on, I guess, to what level they suffer from. Absolutely. There are different severity levels of this disorder, which will determine how you treat it, whether you're treating it every other day, once a week. But this is closely monitored by their doctors to make sure that they're getting the correct dosage of their medicine to prevent the bleeds. Within the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorder Foundation, are you also able to link other families together in order to work through some of the issues they may have? That is one of our sole purposes is community and outreach, making sure that the people affected with this disorder have a base and a foundation of other people that are living with it also. And we try to build the community so that they always have somebody to reach out to. For moms out there listening who have a child that's going through something like this or any type of blood disorder, they're probably experiencing that anxiety of figuring out, you know, where do I turn? Who else do I know who may have this same issue or is going through the same issue? Especially a new mom. There's a lot of family members that they can trace this back genetically, but there's also spontaneous mutation. And therefore, a new mom is faced with this challenge of figuring out how to treat her child the best way. So our community gives them an outreach to people that have been dealing with this and understand it and can guide and help with whatever they need. Again, joining us this morning, Amanda Wilson. As long as everything is treated properly over the years, can they expect to have a fairly normal life? Absolutely. Especially with the medication, this is something that is very treatable and very livable. And of course, there is more scientific research being done. Are you kept up to date on what new technology there is available? Of course, and we try to get all that information out to the community as we're receiving it so that they know what's upcoming and what's new and the things that they can speak to their doctor about to make sure that they're getting the best treatment possible. Do you know about what age the diagnosis is usually made? And for new parents out there, when do they need to start looking out for problems or will the doctor know right away? Well, if they have a family history, then there can be testing done. But if there's no family history and this is a spontaneous mutation, most likely if the child is circumcised, that's when the first sign will be. It will not stop bleeding and the doctor will be aware that there's something else going on. So in most cases, the doctor, they figure it out right away. And then I guess from that point, after some testing, they help educate the parent on what to do and how to go about, I guess, just living. Absolutely. They'll send them to the hematologist and they'll be the ones to work out the treatment plan. Now, again, you have an office right here in Murfreesboro off the local square. It's in the Truist building, which for those listening, that used to be the SunTrust Bank building. Then also online at thbdf.org. 
Correct. Again, we're talking with Amanda Wilson, the new executive director for the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorder Foundation. And there is an event that is coming up. It's going to be August 27th, Blazing for Bleeders. It's a 5K fun run walk, but it's at Gateway Island here in town. It is. And that seems to be a great location for us. It's right in the middle of our community so we can get everybody together. It's a beautiful venue. We have lots of activities going on, face painting, games, food. And this is the fourth year that y'all have been doing this specific 5K. The money raised from this event, how does that go to help others within the organization? So one of the major events that we put on is our Camp Freedom. And that allows the children with a bleeding disorder to get together and learn how to be independent and connect with other people affected so that they can build friendships that will last them forever. This whole fundraiser and 5K, it helps to support families trying to make ends meet, of course, but it helps them to send their children to a special camp. So this is a camp that we do not have a charge associated to the families. We fund this camp solely. So all the funds raised go to this camp so that families can send their children and not worry about the cost of it. And again, that camp is called what? Camp Freedom. So Camp Freedom, this is one of the big things that this 5K will help to pay for so that there's no cost to families involved. Correct. Where is the camp located usually? The camp is located at Brandon Springs, which is in Dover, Tennessee, on land between the lakes. We offer a lot of activities from fishing, canoeing, swimming, archery, arts and crafts. And we just try to engage the children to build a sense of community with people that are similar to them. The upcoming 5K is something that really everybody can participate in. But if somebody out there listening, maybe they always wanted to run a 5K. Maybe this is building up to that marathon or a half marathon. This would be a good place to start. Yes, we would love to have everybody there. This is an event that we welcome families, runners, all ages, all experiences. The cost of the 5K is $40, and the cost of the fun walk is 25 And once more, the 5K, you can run it, you can walk it. Doesn't matter. It's just the whole thing of participating, helping out, and helping others, really. Yes. How do you go about signing up to participate? You can show up the day of the event. We'll start registration at 8 a.m. You can also visit the website, and there'll be a link there that'll take you to the sign-up page. And once again, this 5K is going to be at Gateway Island, right? Correct. For those who are going to the event, I guess the best place to park would be in the back parking lot of Murfreesboro Medical Clinic. You'll see the entrance for Gateway Island and then head on back, register, or you can again register online, right? Correct. There'll be signs posted directing you where to go, so you should be able to find us. Again, talking with Amanda Wilson this morning, Executive Director of the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorder Foundation. And once again, online, what's that website one more time? THBDF.org. Again, joining us this morning, Amanda Wilson. Folks can learn more about this at THBDF.org here in Murfreesboro. And that is the Tennessee Hemophilia and Bleeding Disorder Foundation. And our guest this morning has been Amanda Wilson. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, 
Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high in the upper 80s. Winds out of the north at 5 to 15 miles per hour and at times gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 68. Today we're talking with James Evans, Communications Director for the Rutherford County School System. And James, this school year is somewhat of a monumental school year. Of course, we have already had one full week of school that is now behind us as of this afternoon, it will be at least. We are hitting numbers that the county school system has not seen before with student enrollment. Absolutely. We anticipate that we're going to go over 50,000 students for the first time. COVID slowed things down a little bit. Uh, We added about 50 students that year, which is really a small growth for us. But after the high point of COVID, it all came roaring back and we ended up adding about 2,000 kids over the next year after that. And so that brought us to almost 50,000 at the end of last school year. We were about 300 students shy of being 50,000. And we are fully expecting to add more than a thousand this year, which would put us well into that range. This, if I'm not mistaken, will make Rutherford County Schools the fourth largest school district in Tennessee. Well, we've actually been fourth for a couple of years. We've been slightly ahead of Hamilton County, which is Chattanooga, but this will definitely give us a larger lead, so to speak. Not that it's a race, but we will have a larger gap there between the two. If you combined our school district and Murfreesboro City, we would be closer to the size of Knox County, and we are gaining on that. That being said, if we continue to grow at the rate of which we've seen over the last five years or so, do you think there's going to come a day where we surpass Knox County schools? I think it's very possible. I'm not sure exactly what their growth rate is, but I know that we're knocking on their door, and I know that we were the fastest-growing school system in the state of Tennessee last year, so it just really depends on how quickly they grow. But, you know, they're a pretty built-out area as it is, whereas Rutherford County continues to be very popular in Middle Tennessee with all the attractions that we have here and just the amenities like the university and the proximity to Nashville, the various businesses that are relocating here we continue to grow like this, we will be very close to Knox County very soon. About how many students are we seeing come into the county schools each year? We typically average between 1,000 and 1,200. Uh, like I said, this past year we grew by 2,000, but we had grown very very few the year before. So some of that was just that pent-up demand that was coming from people holding their children out for a year. But we're expecting about 1,200, but it could be more. We won't know until we get them all in and get them all registered. That usually settles down around Labor Day is when we have a really good number on how much we're growing. But then we continue growing the whole year. People are moving here all year long. It's not just during the summer. Do you know if the other school districts are growing by 1,200 students per year, or do you know if their numbers are smaller than ours? Definitely smaller than ours. This past year, we were we were ranked as the fastest growing in the state of Tennessee. That's a big jump, 1,200 students. I know you've said before, 1,200 students to 2,500 students. That's the size of some school districts across the state. Well, another way to look at it, too, is that most of our middle schools are built, middle and elementary schools are built to hold about 1,000 students. 
So if we're growing by 1,200 a year, we're growing by slightly more than a new school every year. But it's not just in one area, it's all across the county, which is why you see us having such an aggressive building program and working with our county commission to get those funded. Now, one thing that I have noticed, we don't have as many private schools it doesn't feel like we have as many as some areas like Nashville and Memphis have. That's true. I mean, we have a few, but that's really just based on demand. There are a few around town, of course, and around the county that are, that are popular choices. But we, for the most part, uh, we have two great school systems, and I think parents are satisfied. I'm sure all of that factors into the number of students that are enrolled in the Rutherford County school system. And speaking of enrollment, we also have an all-virtual school. So there, how many students are enrolled in that virtual-only school this year? Well, I know that last year we had about 450, and we'll be about that same enrollment this year. We didn't add any additional grades this year. It's now serving grades 3 through 12, but we started that last year. Its first year, it only served grades 6 through 12. But I think it's one of those things that parents are still getting used to the idea of what a virtual school is. There are some parents who love the idea and it works really well for their students. But there are others who still want that traditional in-person school. As that school becomes more established, I think you'll see more and more people want to take a look at it, especially as things become more and more virtual in the world. Now, as we close out this morning, if parents, for some reason, maybe they're new to town, did not get their child registered this week, can they register on Monday if they are just moving in? Oh, absolutely. We'll always take new students no matter when they get here. But if you need help with registration, just contact your school and they will assist you. Again, we've been talking with James Evans with the Rutherford County Schools. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. In looking at the different high schools throughout Rutherford County, the oldest, although it has changed a lot throughout the years, is Central Magnet School. Of course, it wasn't always a magnet school. Many residents remember the school as being a middle school only, Central Middle School, while older residents recall it being a high school only. Currently, Central Magnet School serves students in grades 6 through 12th grade, with a teacher ratio of about 17 to 1. The newest high school in the community is Rockville High School, which also has the highest enrollment in the county at last count 2,600 students. That was at the end of the 2021-2022 school year. At that time, 457 students graduated with the class of 2022, with 48% being accepted to a four-year university, 24% to a two-year community college, and 8% to a trade school, while 2% of graduates committed to the U.S. military. Again, that's Rockville High School. When talking about the size of different high schools, Holloway appears to have the smallest student body with about 150 students. Holloway High School was recognized as one of the 25 national model schools nationwide. Now, the largest school districts in Tennessee appear to be in Memphis, the Shelby County School System, with over 110,000 students in more than 214 schools. The Metropolitan Nashville Public Schools had the second largest student body at about 82,000 students last year at 163 schools. In East Tennessee, the Knox County School District is the third largest with 59,000 students in 91 public schools. Rutherford County coming in at fourth with over 50,000 students this school year. Now, if you combine Rutherford County with the city of Murfreesboro school system, that would actually place us right at Knox County schools, if not above the number of students in the Knox County school system. 
Also this year, newly introduced state law has changed the grading system throughout the state. This year, students will see a 10-point grading scale. This grading scale, for those in grades 9 through 12th, will be as follows. A 90 to 100 equals an A, 80 to 89 equals a B, 70 to 79 is a C, 60 to 69 is a D grade. Anything graded at 59 or less would be an F. Now this is also in middle school as well throughout Rutherford County. Dr. James Jimmy Sullivan became the director of the Rutherford County School System on July 1st under a four-year contract approved by the Rutherford County Board of Education. Dr. Sullivan realizes there is no end in sight to the growth here in Rutherford County. 18 years ago in 2004, the Rutherford County Schools had fewer than 30,000 students. And again this year, we're looking at 50,000 students. Dr. Sullivan recently talked about how the county schools added more students in the past year than the average size of most school districts throughout the volunteer state. With growth in mind, the director of schools said that they continue to look for land to build future schools on. Specifically, we're looking more on the west side, that Stewart's Creek, Blackman, Rockvale area. Also looking somewhere at the Stewart's Creek, Laverne, Smyrna area. So really in anywhere in that crescent size shape of a zone west of I-24. That is something that you have or know of someone, we are definitely interested and our board is interested in looking at that. In the meantime, the Rutherford County Schools have announced plans to move forward with an employee salary study. Dr. Sullivan said a third party vendor will oversee and conduct this study. To look not just at our classified, our EA, custodial nutrition, and all the different support positions that we have, but also looking at our certified positions, our administrative index, all the different salaries that we have in our central office. That salary study will not impact this school year, but could change the structure of future pay. However, a 5% pay increase was already approved for the 2022-2023 school year. That amounts to a $2,000 increase for the first year teachers with a bachelor's degree and bringing up pay to $44,930 annually. That's for a first year teacher. New educators with a master's degree will see a $2,300 pay increase, bringing their annual salary up to $49,207. As the schools continue to grow, administrators want to make sure they not only keep their current teaching staff, but also have the ability to enlist new teachers. You're tuned to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, the 12th of August. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Good morning. It's busy, but it's moving 24 out through the Hickory Hollow area. Just give yourself plenty of extra time. I hear tons of radar up and down certain sections of I-24 around Epps Mill Road coming in from Coffee County. Again, be careful through Manchester. Ripley's Aquarium is hiring for all 10 attractions. Actually, great pay, perks, and bulk. Uh, log on today, ripleys.com. I'm Commander Chug with your on-time traffic. Are you tired of constantly spending money on sprays and other things to control mosquitoes around your home? If so, come by Holden Hardware and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. When used properly, the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators will kill mosquitoes. Come by Holden Hardware on the square and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. This year, make mosquito control easier and cheaper. Come by Holden Hardware on the square 
and get the Spartan Mosquito Eradicators. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.57 on this Friday morning. You're tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. Well, as we close this morning's broadcast, an update on some of the news stories that we are working on. One involving a multi-state theft case with roots in Murfreesboro and Manchester, Tennessee. A case that turned into an FBI case and then a federal conviction. What started as this local theft case in Murfreesboro and Manchester grew much larger than expected. In August of 2018, Manchester, Tennessee police responded to Tri Green Equipment on Interstate Drive in Coffee County. It was in regards to a burglary at their business. It was reported that one of their trucks had been used to break through the gate and used to move a barricade. It was then determined that a John Deere Gator, a zero-turn radius mower, and an 18-inch lawnmower trailer, I'm sorry, 18-foot lawnmower trailer, were all stolen from that Manchester, Tennessee, tri-green store. In November of 2018, the Manchester Police Department further investigated the case and found similar thefts that occurred in Murfreesboro. Manchester Police and Murfreesboro Police then worked together to identify the potential suspects that were responsible for the crimes in both jurisdictions. Well, as that investigation continued, it became all the more obvious the crimes were committed throughout the southeast and eastern United States, and both agencies teamed up with the FBI to continue that investigation of John Deere equipment uh, being stolen. And investigators continued to follow leads, which led them to two suspects, Donald White and Miranda Sky Jones from McMinnville, Tennessee. During extensive interviews with the Manchester Police, the FBI, and Murfreesboro Police, it quickly grew into a multi-state, multi-million dollar theft ring involving another suspect, Christopher Daniel Ray, a.k.a. Little Houdini, alleged leader of the theft ring, and then it led to convictions. You can read more about that news story and others all on our website at WGNSRadio.com. Dot com. Time right now, 9 o'clock. CBS News and more is next. The Good Neighbor Network. WGNS, Murfreesboro, Smyrna. Flagship station for MTSU Sports. Courthouse clock time, 9 o'clock.